Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Matthew chapter 27. Now, in studying redemption, getting to the place where we are, remember the reality of what God has done for you in Christ, this substitutionary sacrifice. People many times think, well, God doesn't know how I hurt. He doesn't know the pain that I have. He doesn't know what I've gone through, but He does. I mean, the the greatest rejection on the planet was the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ by the human family that He created. And He died upon the cross, you know, with nothing, just basically stripped down to nothing, suffered and died upon the cross, not only taking our physical death and the mental anguish and, and the peace that was taken from the human family, but also suffering our punishment and taking our spiritual death. Man. I mean, that's, that's really awesome because we realize because of that, we don't die. We don't die. The word death, as we've studied, means separation. Death is separation. Uh, spiritual death is separation from God. Physical death is separation from the human body. Eternal death is people that die physically in a state of spiritual death. They go to a place of eternal separation from God. That was never the plan of God. God never created that. The Bible says hell enlarged itself to receive its, to receive its harvest. It was meant for a, for, a, for a devil that had rebelled against God. And because man bowed his knee to that enemy of God, now they get the, the people that remain that way in physical death today. That, 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 that's why we need to get born again. Make Jesus Lord and Savior. And once the, and we'll realize once we do, no matter how, how rocky our life may be or, or how difficult it may be being restored, rescued, or blessed, we are saved. Amen. And as far as the earth is concerned, the worst that could happen would be for us to die. <laughs> Amen. I mean, we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible says that's that hope that purifies the heart to understand that what the world thinks is the worst thing that can happen. Paul said, hey, it's the best thing. He says it's far greater. Jesus suffered for us, took everything that was wrong, all of our anguish, all of our pain. We know Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, everything substitutionary, the defeat of the devil, the defeat of death, hell, and the grave, all of it for our behalf. You say, why do you say that? Because he never had to do it for his own behalf. God was never in a position subservient to the devil or in any position whatsoever in which the devil was able to usurp him. Amen? You say, well, then who is the devil? We'll study that a little bit more in depth, but all he really is is a fallen angel. But God is God. And that's one of the wonders of redemption that God would come down and take on human form and suffer and die and take on everything that was wretched about us, everything that the enemy transferred into the human family, that he would take it upon himself, die, die with it so that we could be separated from it and then raised from the dead so that we could have new life in that vacuum. Amen. Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Well, we don't live in the fullness of that abundance right now, but we do have the down payment, the earnest money contract. I like what one old preacher said years ago. He says, God at least gives us a little piece of heaven to go to heaven in. That doesn't mean you can live on the earth without any pain or without any fighting any battles, but that means in all the pain and in all the battles, you got an answer, and his name is Jesus. How many have realized that? If you've done this for a few years, you realize that. Amen? So let me read here. Let's read here in Matthew. I wanted to get on beyond 
beyond the cross. The Bible calls it His passion, His suffering. We are identified with it because with that passion and suffering, He accumulated all that was wrong with humanity until He said, I've got it all. It is finished. He cried out, Eli, Eli, uh, lap thy sabachni, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, forsaken people did not go into paradise. Forsaken people did not go into Abraham's bosom. The Bible said he was forsaken by God. It proved, it, it, it pleased the Lord to bruise him is what the word says. You say, how can that be? Because of the pearl of great price, which is you and I. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. You're God's treasure. That's, that's how much he thought about you. That's how much he cared about you. He died for you. Everybody say, he died for me. And I tell you, when that gets into your spirit, you become a little bit undefeatable, amen? It says, and some of them that stood, now this is, this is amazing. Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, the man calleth for Elias. Elias, meaning Elijah. Get over here. It said, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks did rent. We read last week where it says darkness was upon the entire earth for the period of three hours. That, that's the sign of the sovereignty visitation of God upon the earth. Darkness upon the earth for, for the entire earth. You say, that's impossible. Yeah, but that was God. Amen. Then Jesus died, and when Jesus died, the earth, the very creation that he was the word that brought it into existence, began to shake and begin to quake. The Bible says in the midst of it that the earth and the universe itself came to the brink of extinction. Because of the depth of love and the sacrifice that God had to redeem you and I. It said, but God sustained it with his mercy. Oh my goodness. I don't think we realize the price that was paid for you and me. Amen? It says here, now listen to this. It says, he yielded up the ghost, talks about the veil of the temple. We know that's where the Sekinah presence of God, the glory of God existed and abided. That, that veil, uh, Bible theologians tell us, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, Josephus tells us that thing was four foot thick. And from the top to the bottom, it was ripped. And the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah spirit presence of God, departed from that holy place and went up to heaven. It was right there in heaven. Then the earth began to shake. The earth began to quake. It says, and the graves were opened. Now notice this. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Is that in your Bible? Do you know what that is? That's a rapture. Did you get that? That's a rapture of men and women out of the grave that died having not yet received the promise. God's bringing them up out of the grave. They're getting ready to go to heaven. They're in the city of Jerusalem telling people what's happening. Oh, come on, church. This isn't Disney. This is real. This ain't Harry Potter. This is the real thing. Woo, glory to God. You realize this is what God did for you. And it's so powerful and so strong that 2,000 years later, it still resonates in the hearts of men and women. Say, well, I don't know if it's that strong. Well, then just cancel Christmas. Just go ahead and try. Amen. 
They came out of their graves and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earth quake and those things which were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the Son of God. And many women were beholding afar, afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Among them was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of, of Zebedee's children. When evil was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Could you imagine this scene? This man's heart toward the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said he was a disciple. And even though he had not watched his favorite preacher die on the cross, he had watched his Lord die upon the cross. And in the midst of all of the ridicule he would have gotten from the Sanhedrin and those that cried, crucify him, crucify him, he publicly went to Pilate and begged the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Begged the body of Jesus. Pilate commanded that the body be delivered. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it with a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of a rock. And he rolled a great stone over the door of the sepulcher and departed. There was Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate. Now notice this, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said he was, that he was a that while he was yet alive, that after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made, to be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch, you have a, you have a patrol of men, go your way and make it sure as you can. And they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now by doing that, they were declaring that the government of Rome had declared the death penalty over anybody that would come break that seal. And they gave a contingent of soldiers, approximately 12, three in the north, three in the south, three in the east, three in the west, to be alert and on guard at that tomb at the cost of their own life if they're caught sleeping. They could be executed just like that by their superiors. So that ain't no game. Amen? But now notice, pick it up in chapter 28. The end of the Sabbath, as it began to draw toward the first day of the week, came with Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, uh, to, the, to see the sepulcher. And behold, I love this. Behold, there was a great earthquake. Honey, I'm telling you, the earth was quaking. People were coming up out of the grave. It was dark for three hours at a time in the middle of the day. I mean, it was getting wild. And Jesus said, these days are going to be wilder. You better get ready. A great earthquake. And the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and what? Rolled back the stone of the door and sat on it. Had to break that seal to do it. Said, come on, Caesar. Come on, Rome. Come on, Pontius Pilate. He just rolled that stone away and sat on top of it. Oh, glory to God. I said, glory to God. See, this is what our faith is in. 
the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen from the dead, but he's not just risen from the dead. He's risen with might. He's risen with power. And that resurrection power, the residue of it, the essence of it is what's inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It quickens. It makes alive your mortal body. <laughs> Amen. Man, good Lord. I'll be careful. I'll get kind of crazy here. It says his countenance was like lightning. Man. His raiment white as snow, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. One translation says they fell out on the ground. He said, the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. I love this. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. He kept saying. He kept saying. I don't believe in that confession message. Well, okay, but you know, he kept saying. He kept saying. Well, I don't believe in that blad it and grab it. Well, he, he just kept saying. As he said, as he said, come and see the place where he lay and go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee and there you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. So now we've gone through, now, now notice it's the death, it's the burial, now it's the resurrection. Now we're in the resurrection phase of redemption. We still have two more. We, have, we still have the ascension and then the offering of his blood seating at the right hand of the Father. But now we got the resurrection. Now we got a dead man. Come on. Now we got a dead man back on the earth, alive, not just alive, but alive forevermore. And he is the last Adam. And we are now in Christ. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a what? A new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. See, we read through those. Well, you know, but my back hurts and my feet ache and I need two dollars. Now, come on, church. As people get all crazy, well, you're just making fun of people that have problems. Honey, you don't know the problems we've had. It's that in the midst of those problems, we don't let those problems capture us. We don't let those problems be the director of our emotions, of our feelings. We don't let those problems dictate to us how we're going to act, how we're going to feel. No, no, no. We stay on top of them by the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, realizing greater is He that's in us than He that's in the earth. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And our God is not enough. He's more than enough. Hallelujah. Now, as we've said, the Gospels paint a portrait, but when we get into the letters of the church, it's an x-ray. So go to Colossians real quick. We've got just a few moments. Go to the book of Colossians. Now let's look at the behind the scene, the redemptive application. This is where, listen, this is where 12 years of insanity in my life started getting chipped away at until it lost its hold on. You say how? By number one, seeing this in the Word. And the reason I saw it in the Word is because I exposed myself to men and women that taught it. 
And when they taught it, they taught it with the aspect or element of faith that said you must, the rest of your life, say this about God, about yourself, about your circumstance, about what he has done for you in Christ. I like one preacher. He said it like this. You've got to learn to speak the redemptive language. God's not going to do anything for anybody. See, people, well, that's what I thought. No, no, he's already done it. He's already, he's already forgiven your sins, cleansed you from all sin and unrighteousness, and by the precious promises of God, you can be a partaker of the divine nature, and the Bible says by doing that, you will escape the corruption that is in this world through the lust of evil men and women. Thank God Almighty. Hallelujah. Now, Colossians, go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Now, verse 12, let's, let's, let's get the x-ray out. Now, here's what I mean by the x-ray. I always use a reference scripture. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You don't have to turn there, but most of you know it. I quoted enough. The apostle Paul says, I'm crucified. I'm crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died, who loved and gave himself for me. Now, you'd have said, well, I, if you'd have been Peter, you said, well, I was there. I didn't see you there. I didn't see you hanging on the cross. Well, he wasn't looking in the realm of the Spirit. Because in the realm of the Spirit, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is your death. Man, I just need to die. Good. I'm glad you do. Because I've got somebody that provides you with a death. You, you can provide yourself with a death. You can take a deer rifle and stick it in your ear. Amen. Blow your brains all over the wall. But the problem is you cannot provide yourself with a resurrection. But Jesus has provided you with a death. But in that death, he's also provided you with a resurrection. So you can, you can die to the pain. You can die to the addiction. You can die to the mind. Listen, how do you do that? By faith. You believe it in your heart and you speak it. Thank you, Father. I am crucified with him. I'm dead to that. The death of Christ has affected me in delivering me from that. Therefore, I'm not living under the bondage of it anymore. You've got to say it. You've got to believe it. Faith is released through your confession and that empowers you to act on it. And what it does, <laughs> what it does, it puts a big fat no on the inside of you for the first time in your life. You can look at that thing and say, nope. And not just, not just old sins, old lifestyles. What about arthritis? What about cancer? What, what about diabetes? You, 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 you keep building that faith on the inside and one day you look and say, nope, nope, that's it. That's it. Your faith will get to that point if you stay with it. So let's begin here in verse Hallelujah, I'm going to preach myself happy tonight. <laughs> verse 12, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath. Now, remember, we're, we're training our redemptive ear. What did I say? God's not going to do anything for you. Why? He's already done it. So notice this, who hath, who hath, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or able to what? Be partakers partakers. You take me to Popeye's, I'm going to partake. I'm not just going to be glad I'm in Popeye's because of the atmosphere. Come and say, Brother Rusty, isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? Doesn't it smell good in here? 
Isn't this atmosphere awesome? Yeah, but is somebody going to order some chicken so we can partake of this? Amen? You say, well, that, what, what difference is that? Because all of theology says we're not to partake. All of religion says, well, that's, that's in the sovereignty of God. That's, you know, that's, that's, well, if God wants you to have it, he'll give it to you. But if he doesn't want you to have it, you're not going to get it. That's a lie from hell. He's given all of us all things that pertain unto life and godliness that through the promises of God we partake of the divine nature which is not broke, which is not beat down, which is not oppressed and depressed. It's victorious in the midst of the fight. In the midst of the fight. So the redemptive ears tune, so it hears what? Half. Oh, it's already done. Glory to God, it's already done. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath, he's already made us able to be partakers of what? The inheritance of the saints in the light. Now notice this. Who hath, here we go again, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. You ever been under the power of darkness? Dark thoughts, dark mindsets, dark addictions, all kinds of darkness. You think, how can I get out of it? He hath delivered you. Jesus hath delivered you. If you don't live under that deliverance, that's your choice. But if you make a decision, I'm going to live under that deliverance. Oh, my goodness. And it's not just, you know, we always think about these, you know, things in our lives like drugs and alcohol and, and perverse lifestyles. But I'm telling you, there's stuff like fear and, and, and uh, things that we're so inhibited by and, and these phobias of the mind. I'm telling you, God wants to deliver you, set you on fire of the Holy Ghost and turn you loose on the world. Amen. He don't want you beat up and beat down. He wouldn't look like a very good father. Amen. For he is the father of the family in heaven. And on the earth, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and and hath translated us into the kingdom of his, of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, notice this: He's talking about what we have in Christ. All of us. I, I wrote it down. I wrote a couple of notes. Number one, we're qualified. We are delivered. We are translated and we are redeemed. That's in this one little portion of Scripture. If you got this, it would make you a world changer. You are qualified, which is to meet a required standard. People say, well, I'm just not qualified. That used to be what a popular phrase. People say, well, that, that's not my, what, my, my pay grade or something like that. Some excuse for their ignorance. Well, let me tell you something, church. The Lord spoke this to me years ago about qualification. He said, God spoke to me. This is after I'd been a devil for a long time. And I felt like I was disqualified from anything, any dream of God, any desire of God. I thought I was done, man. You know, I was, just, I was real happy if I was get hired as the janitor of the church. I just figured I'd be happy to live my life out like that. And the Lord said to me, I haven't disqualified you. As a matter of fact, he said, I've qualified you for everything that you'll ever need to do what I've called you to do. He said, secondly, he said, the devil cannot disqualify you. He said, but he works overtime trying to get you to disqualify yourself. And that's what people do all the time. They disqualify themselves. God doesn't want you to do that. He Listen, he wants to come to your rescue. He wants to bless you, deliver you, and cause you to walk in the reality of being delivered from the power of darkness and then being translated 
Now notice, we're qualified, we're delivered to take from one, from one hand and move over to the other. Translated, to remove from one state of being or dimension and to place in another. To redeem is to buy back, to repurchase, to free from distress and to free from any penalty and to pay the ransom. Now God's given you all that in Christ. Then, now notice, this is where you get real happy. Anybody like to get real happy? Because you read that and you think, ooh, okay, that ain't really working in my life. So what he does, instead of giving you an excuse to be a victim, by putting scriptures in there that would say, well, you know, I'm really low down and no good. No, what he does is he gives you a revelation of himself. Now, I'm going to read this in the, in the Passion Bible. This is so good in the Passion Bible. Let me do it. I'm, I got it marked over here. I promise. Listen to this in the, in the Passion, beginning in verse 12. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. So you have an inheritance in Christ. I'm going to tell you, church, just as real as a parent dying and leaving you an inheritance, you have an inheritance in Christ. I'm living in mine. I'm living in my inheritance. In Christ, in there, I've been doing it for 39 years. It starts and it grows and it gets bigger and bigger and you realize it's more and more and it gets greater and greater and that inheritance is so strong, it helps you to inherit heaven when you die. Amen? Now, just like in the natural, so you get an inheritance, you say, well, I got an inheritance, but I don't, I don't like courts and I don't like judges. And I'm not going around no court or no judge. You know, they're just trying to rip you off. Well, just like with churches and preachers. I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for myself. I don't want anything you got. I'm trying to get something I got into you. Amen? I said this for years. I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to see how close I can get you to me. I'm trying to see how close I can get you to him. Because getting close to me, that's not going to help you a whole lot. I know I live with me. I've got to put up with Leah. I mean, good Lord. You talk about a grace. Oh, God. We could have saved the Titanic with that much grace. Glory to God. Nobody amen that one. So you've got to realize God sees you in a certain way. The devil sees you in a certain way. God's thoughts are right here for you at your choice to take and run the thoughts of the devil out of your mind so that you see yourself as God sees you, not as empty, defeated, beat up by life, but as a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. Amen? Now, let me read it before I get too carried away. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. For in the Son, all of our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through this very blood. That's not an inactive force. When we all get to heaven. No! You know, there's no death in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. None of that is needed in heaven. It's needed here where people are dying because of sin. 
Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Now, listen. For in, our, for in the Son, all of our sins are canceled, and we have a release of redemption through His very blood. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority. It all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made. And now everything finds its completion in him. He is the head of his body which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in the resurrection. He is the most exalted one holding first place in everything for God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. Woo! My goodness! God said I'm dwelling in Christ. Holy Ghost you're dwelling in Christ. Then he invites you come and dwell with us. when you're too busy being troubled. That's what we do. Many times we self-inflict ourselves with pain, hurt, trouble. And if anybody ever, you know, points out that, you know, we've become a victim, then we become a double victim. You know, they asked me one time if I was bipolar. I said, no, I'm tripolar. That freaked them all out, amen. <laughs> but you have to understand there are narratives in this world right now that are so strong they can sweep you away. The panic of some of the information, if, it's, if you allow yourself, listen, you're free to roam the internet, to roam the news channels and listen and pile that stuff into your mind. But if you do, you'll come to a point in which that will sweep you away. It'll take you over. And I've always noticed, I've watched people that, that, that and, it, and it's not just because of the last three years, it's happening in a multiplied way since the COVID thing and all that stuff happened. But I watched it for years before that when, when just regular life would do it. And people would just abandon God. The Bible says if you'll draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto you. I was ministering to a guy the other day that's just gone through some real tragedy. And I told him God is there. I mean, what can you tell someone who's been in a tragedy, lost a loved one in a, in a real difficult way? You have to tell them God is there, but you've got to call out. Cry out. In your pain, cry out to God. In your hurt, cry out to God. In your financial distress, cry out to God. Listen, that's what God desires. He is not the type of person who's trying to harm you or be a part of the problem. He's the person who is your answer. Religion paints a terrible picture of God. They go into the Old Covenant, pull stuff out. Always remember, that Old Covenant was written. It was written for you, but not to you. What I'm reading is written to you. All this stuff he's saying about Jesus, this powerful stuff, and God says, I'm going to dwell in him. And then God said, I'm going to take the redeemed of the Lord who are in Christ, and I'm going to put that in that same encapsulation. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Bride of Christ, the church, the believer, the one in Christ, the righteous ones, you and I. That is what God has done. And God wants us to grow in that, see that, realize that, walk in the revelation, the strength and the power of it, and stick it in the devil's face every time time he attacks us. 
if you got to do it on your back with 45 machines hooked to you, you still stick that thumb and say, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. Yeah. You say, why? That's the way it works. Oh, let me wind it up. You like this? Man, this is good. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in the resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. My goodness. Now let me close. I go back. I guess I'm like everyone else. Many of the great ministers I grew up under all had a story of an impact, a time in their life in which God greatly impacted them. And in my life, it was that fight. After being a backslidden little Pentecostal boy for 12 years and just letting the devil roughshod over my, run roughshod over my flesh and my mind, knowing no amount of counseling. Yeah, counseling. You know, I mean... No amount of counseling. None of that. I knew none of that was going to work for me. I had to have power. Come on, church. I had to have power. Some of you don't realize you got to have power. You can't just sit around and lay around thinking, I'm going to come out of this. It ain't going to happen. You got to have some power. And because I guess God must have known I was just crazy enough to go for it, I got some teaching. A, a friend of mine, Pastor Mark Hankins, well, he travels now, son Aaron pastor of the church. Sent me redemptive teaching, and I wore that stuff out. I found out who I was in Christ. I found out what I had in Christ. I found out what I could do in Christ. I tell you, it lit me afire. I remember the day it happened. I was in, I was in Harlingen, Texas, preaching, preaching for a church on a Sunday morning, doing a Saturday night full gospel businessmen meeting. I'd been back to the Lord a year and a month. Been in Bible school since September. This would have been... Mid-April of 1985, and I was there to give my testimony. I hated giving my testimony. I'd done it all over. Get up and tell about, yeah, I grew up under these great ministries and the power of God and God healed and all this, and then I fell away from God. <laughs> that really made me feel good. But God used it, and a lot of people got blessed and touched. A lot of people came back to the Lord. That particular night, there's a large crowd of people. I'll never forget, as I got to the end of my testimony, a woman stood up. And she said, the man whose home I was staying in was named Dr. Oscar Hamilton. He was a, a, a dermatologist. <laughs> and this woman stands up and hollers, Dr. Hamilton, I hate you! I'm thinking, oh boy. She says, I've hated you for years. She said, I thought you were the one that pitted my face when I was young and treated me when I was a young teenager. said, I realize now you didn't. And I want, she started crying. I want you to forgive me because I've hated you all these years. And as she wept, the glory of God came into that place. And people were touched by the power of God and healed, set free, delivered. I mean, it was just awesome. And I was staying at his home, in his beautiful home there in Harlingen. And I remember going to his guest bedroom and falling across the bed with my Bible open and saying, God, I can't do this no more. 
You know, I, I look like a fool. I look like the most stupid thing that happened in that whole service tonight. I was the most stupid thing that happened. You know, I was naive back then. Didn't know as much as I know now. And the Lord spoke to me out of the Word, out of, out of Revelations 14. He said, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, the Word of your testimony. And I'm like, well, praise God. I, I like the blood of the Lamb, but it's my testimony. I don't like telling people how stupid I was for so many years. And the Lord kept speaking that to me over and over. You don't understand. He'd say that to me. You don't understand. You're an overcomer. And then finally he said this. Man, when he said it, I mean, it was like somebody hit me with a ball bat. I mean, in a good way. He said, you're not an overcomer by the word of your unrighteous testimony. So everybody can talk about what God, well, I was a drug addict and I was this and I was that. Well, okay, praise God. But what has God brought you into? We can all talk about what we came out of, but that's not what empowers us. It's what God has brought us into or translated us into. So I remember when the Lord spoke to me, he said, your problem is you're going around telling everybody your, your unrighteous testimony, when in reality you need to tell them your righteous testimony. I said, "Woo! that sounds good to me. I got my marching orders. Amen. So I was just waiting for that phone to ring. And sure enough, the full gospel businessman called and said, we want you to come and give your testimony because it says in Romans, I mean in Revelation chapter 14, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Man, I tell you, they turned me loose. I started in Galatians 2.20. I went to 2 Corinthians 5.17. I went to Romans 5 and 6 and I talked about how your flesh is dead in Christ and you don't have to yield to all that. I'm telling you, the power of God would move. And they said, you know, that sounds like preaching to us. But it's okay. I've been doing all right ever since. But I found out these truths have to be applied. You have to believe them in your heart. And you have to speak them. And as you do it, the faith that is produced by this word, and you have to understand it is not the word of God, it is his word of power. He draws his power from his word. And he's given you his word. See, that's why people, there's whole denominations. We should be reading that Bible. And don't, if you read it, don't take it literally. Come on, those stories in there, are you? Come on. Dividing the Red Sea, come on. Manna from heaven. You know, there was some bread truck going around, you know. I mean, they're trying to talk you out of the, out of the glory of God. Yeah. Because the Bible is a documentation of His what? Glory, and we were created in His glory and image. That's why we believe in the supernatural. Believe in the power of this Word. I guarantee you, when you're born again, you're made brand new. But when you grow in Christ, you change. And you change from faith to faith and from glory to glory. And yes, you're going to face challenges. And you're going to have fights of faith. But if you'll stay with the reality of what we're talking about right now, what God has done for us in Christ, what did he do? He took it all. And he died. And then he rose from the dead so that the essence of that life can be in us and, and ensure us of the reality of eternal life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Oh, lift your hands and thank Him. Father, we thank You. Thank You, Father, for the power of Your glory, power of Your Word, power of the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost. You said, Lord, that our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Almighty God. For the power of your cross, power of redemption, power of agreement, 
power of faith. We thank you for it, Father. You have not left us powerless. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Just for a moment, worship God. I know I can sense there's some needs in the house, people that feel that they, they may need ministry, but in reality, you just need to hear what the Lord is saying to you right now. How if you'll let Him, He'll give you some personal attention. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Right there where you're sitting. Right there where you're sitting. Let Him ease that pain. Hallelujah. That anguish in your heart. You say, I don't know how to let go. Yeah, you do. Just say, you can have it, Lord. I don't want it no more. Just give it to Him. That doubt that, that, that's weighing so heavy, that, that which looks so impossible. I remember those days. Oh, my God. Lord, only, only your mercy got me through all that. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so faithful, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For healing in your bodies. Faith working in your body against those life diseases. Every day, every time you hear the word, more faith. More faith. Jesus' name. Fear, you've got to go. That oppressive spirit, you have to leave. Depression itself, you're broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let me just say this and we'll close. The Spirit of God moves in different ways. You have to be sensitive enough and be around enough of the move of the Spirit to understand how He flows and how He operates. Sometimes it's a very specific flow. I've got an instrument that I use when I brush my teeth at night that's called a water pick. I got some what they call pockets in my teeth and they have to be cleaned with a water pick. Well, I can't clean those with a fire hydrant. I could probably get the water in there but it'd probably blow all my teeth out, you know. So there's a specific ministry of that water by the water pick, even though there's a fire hydrant right down the road from my house. So there are times when there's that water pick type ministry which goes straight to the heart of people's issues and problems. There's other times when there's a specific flow of the Spirit of God to encourage Amen? For you to just stand up where you are. Tell the devil to leave you alone. Receive your healing. Receive your deliverance. Take another, another step forward in your faith and what you believe in God for. That's the time in which the Spirit of God moves in such an awesome way through teaching. My goodness. I, I, I've recently... Because the Bible says we've taught those six weeks on a greater revelation of Jesus, greater grace being upon us. So I begin to think of, of Jesus from other abstract ways, and I begin to think there's this being out there 
that has skin just like mine. But he's out there. Not only out in the heavenlies, out in outer space, out there. He's out in another dimension in that flesh and bone body as a testimony to that dimension of our invitation. Because it's in that dimension in which your body will one day be glorified as His is now. That's mind-blowing to think that and that this being is the all-inclusive entity that has supreme control over the entire universe. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 in the Amplified that He upholds, propels, maintains, and guides the entire universe by His mighty word of power. Whoa! Amen. And the greatness of this being still places the essence of himself in our heart and puts light and life in us. And man, to see that displayed over the years as I've had in some of the darkest places, those early days in Ireland when we went there were so dark. People were so, they were so oppressed by the devil. Oh my God, there's no, no way to describe it. You could almost physically feel the weight of that oppression on those people. And here, one little prayer group after another. Little 50 in this one, 100 in this one, 150. Man, the Holy Ghost would fall and fill them with the Spirit. They'd begin to speak in tongues. They'd begin to laugh. The power of God. And literally, you literally sense the light, the darkness come off of that nation. And it, and it literally happened. Economically, they were the most oppressed nation in Western Europe in 1988, in December of 1988. And look it up. And God began to move. And by 1994, they had what they called the Celtic Tiger. And the, and the, uh, uh, the tech industry exploded in Dublin. And, and, and Ireland became one of the richest nations in Western Europe. Well, I, that's just a coincidence. Yeah, right. There were no churches when we went. None except of one denomination. Now there's churches of every denomination all over Ireland. The bondage was broken. God moved powerfully and is moving again today as we've already gone to there right now and are praying over the third. God is moving. Sure, we're fighting some battles. Sure, we're contending for that which we're believing God for. But I'm telling you, church, God is moving. What an exciting day. Don't you love Him? One more time, lift your hands in worship. Oh, let yourself be refreshed by His presence. Thank you, Father, for we are complete in you. We are complete in you. We are complete in you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Thank you. Praise God. Stand on your feet, Father. Now, Lord, as we leave tonight, we declare your safety, your protection. We declare Psalms 91. We say of the Lord. Yes, we say of the Lord. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. They bear us up, least at any time we dash our foot against a stone. Thank you, Father. A thousand can fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand. Only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. In our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, railways, 
any other way of travel or transportation. In our holiday travels, Lord, we're protected, we're blessed, we're kept safe. The righteous labor of our hands, all we put our hand to prospers. We cancel the assignments of the devil, tragedy and calamity. We say, no, devil, you're defeated and under our feet. We remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago. The name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is against you. Hallelujah. Thank you, fathers. We leave tonight. We leave with hearts of flame, asking you, Lord, to make us effective in our witness. Let us be an answer to the prayers of hurting people, a problem to a wicked and mean devil. Let us be a miracle in the lives of men and women. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you, in love toward one another. Thank you for Island Church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.